can face my past, my present, and my future. We are continuing on looking at Jesus' speaking and teaching in parables. A parable is a short story usually used with human actors, not like a fable that uses like animals. And it has for its purpose some moral or spiritual teaching. Uh, usually Jesus is giving spiritual teaching. And as we've seen, he uh, is speaking in parables because of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit by the Pharisees and the scribes. So he gave uh, his initial parable, which he explained to the disciples, telling them about the sower who sowed seed, and it fell upon various soils. He now teaches again in, in several parables. I'm going to take one, which is the next one in, in the order of his teaching, of uh, the tares among the wheat, and then I'm going to skip a couple of parables because the other parable that I'm going to speak on has the same kind of theme, and then next week we'll go back and look at the other parables. So Jesus, and this is found in Matthew 13, starting with verse 24. Jesus presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in the field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. And the slaves said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No. For a while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both of them to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. And so Jesus gives this parable. And I want you to notice that he said this parable is related to the kingdom of heaven. But that's what it's about. And then we're going to skip to verse 36 because he is going to give the explanation. Now, I've kind of wanted to jump back and forth, but I've decided not to. I'm going to just go from the explanation. But I want you to always remember when Jesus gives an explanation, that's the one you follow. There may be some explanations that really preach great. But if they don't match what Jesus teaches about that parable, then it's wrong and you're just making noise. So at least the, the disciples are honest enough to admit they don't have a clue what Jesus is talking about. Which is not unlike them because there's oftentimes they have no clue what Jesus is talking about, much like us today. From verse 36 he says, Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. 
Now, let me stop there because this is a parable about the wheat and the tares. Now, most of us know what wheat is. And in case you don't, I brought a sermon and illustration. This is wheat. You plant a seed, a plant grows up, and then it produces fruit, additional wheat, from which we can get flour and other things that we can. And so uh, they're saying that the wheat is sown and there are tares. Well, there's a debate about what tares actually mean. Some say by the wording of tares, it's a form of a weed, if you will. That it, that it is uh, a darnel, that it looks exactly like a wheat plant when it's growing, but then it produces no wheat. It's just a weed. It's taking up space on the field. There are rabbinical teaching that says, know what this word particularly means is a degenerated wheat seed, which means it came from kind of wheat, but it's never going to produce anything because it has degenerated itself. So I want you to understand what we're talking about. We're talking about a plant that produces a fruit that is valuable because we can eat it, and basically a weed that has nothing but taking up water, space, and is of good for nothing. And he said to them, the one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. So Jesus is saying, the, the person who's actually doing the sowing this time is the Son of Man. Now this story doesn't necessarily end with Jesus' ministry. Because Jesus continues to sow seed into the hearts and lives of men and women even today. The Holy Spirit is still instilling Himself and is still growing the kingdom of heaven. So it says, the one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. And the field is the world. Some will want to use this uh, explanation and say, well, we're talking about the church. No. It said we're talking about the world. Now the church happens to be in the world, but he's not talking about the church in and of itself. He's talking about the kingdom being in the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. So he's saying those plants that produce fruit are in essence the children of God. They're the children of the kingdom. And, and God is the one who's planting those seeds. And the tares, the degenerated, or the weeds, if you will, are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. Now, in case you haven't figured it out, let me explain this to you pretty clearly. Satan doesn't have any original ideas. He always tries to copy God. God is worshipped, so what does Satan want? He wants to be worshipped. God is a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So what does Satan come up with? He has the, the beast and the false prophet in himself. He says, oh gee, 
Jesus is planting things into the world, so I will plant as well. Now Jesus plants productive, fruitful things. Satan, because he's the father of liar, plants degenerated, unfruitful wheat. He cannot emulate God because he's not God. But he always tries to pretend to be God and says, okay, if God's doing this, I'll do something else. So you've got to remember, he's the enemy. He's not a coexistent one. He seeks to undermine whatever God does. And the harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all the stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness and will throw them into the furnace of fire in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Every time you hear Jesus saying, He who has ears, let him hear. He's saying, This is important for you to understand. This is on the test. So he tells us that even though Satan is doing all of these things to hinder the kingdom. Those who are part of the kingdom, the good seed, the wheat, is so precious to him that he will not sacrifice the loss of one in order to get rid of bad. So God is patient so that it may be appears all the wheat that grows up and produces fruit is wheat. And those that don't produce fruit are tares. And it is obvious. And God doesn't want a single child of God to be taken up incorrectly. So there are times when we think, well, how come God you don't come back soon? Why don't you come back now? I would really like you to come back now because it's just terrible. He's going, because I'm patient. Because I want all the children of God to be harvested without error. God is patient. And one of the fruits of the Spirit that we are told to be is patient. Long-suffering is with circumstances. Patience is with people. And you know, just as we've looked at last time the various soils and the various plants that sprang up from them, there are times when we have come across those people who initially appeared to be wheat. But as they grew, they had no fruit. And you could tell. But notice it's not your job to do the harvesting. It's your job to produce Now I want you to jump down to verse 47. He's going to tell another parable in the same type of theme. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea. 
and gathering fish of every kind. And when it was filled, they drew it up on the beach. And they sat down and gathered the good fish into containers, but the bad were thrown away. They threw away. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Both parables end with the bad plants, the weeds, or the bad fish being placed into the furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In each of those times, Jesus is basically talking about hell. And he's talking about the end of the age. He's not talking about tomorrow. But in each, you notice that the purpose is to, in this situation, to catch fish. And you catch fish by a net. Even in today's world, we kind of do the same thing. Those who try to seek to catch tuna, for instance, we no longer want them to use nets because they might catch our little friends, dolphins and porpoises, and we don't want that to happen. So we start using poles. But again, there are times when you catch things that you don't need or want to catch. And God is using this parable to say, in the same way that you catch various types of fish, some fish are just not edible. And so we catch them away. Similarly, when we preach the gospel, people will respond. Some responses will be genuine, and some won't. But Jesus will sort them out in the end. It's not our job to sort the good fish from the bad fish, or the wheat from the weed. God sends his angels to do that. It's a fairly simple and straightforward parable. The interesting thing that I find is no one ever shows you where that might be in the Scripture. Jesus gives us two parables. But we never see it preached or taught or advocated for in other parts of the Scripture. I'll tell you what I'm setting up for. There are a couple of doctrines that Christians, believers, have battles over. One is whether you come to Jesus through your free will or you were predestined. And there's always that argument and fight back and forth. And it seems like one group or the other will say, well, you really can't be a Christian because you've messed up on that doctrine. Similarly, another doctrine that we tend to go back and forth and fight about is the rapture. Some people will say, well, Jesus comes before the tribulation. So we call them pre-tribs, pre-tribulation. 
Before the tribulation happens, we get raptured out of here. Woohoo, great. And then the rest of the world is left to. Then you got other people who say, no, the rapture happens kind of like mid trib, in the middle of it, then we're raptured out. And others say, no, no, we're in it for the long haul. At the end of the tribulation, then we're raptured and, and all that. And there's argument about whether there's the rapture or the second coming, and they take their verses or whatever. And it seems to be that if you follow one version versus the other, then obviously you can't be a believer because you don't have the right view. Okay? But no one ever talks about this, these two parables. They seem to forget them like Jesus never taught them. So today's message is not going to be very long. But I'm going to give you homework. I'm going to give you something to think about. So I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 24. And I know the bulletin says starting with verse 40, but I'm going to pick it up uh, at verse 37. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man may be. Now, here's the next verses that I want you to think about. Then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Most people, and maybe rightfully, maybe, this is the rapture where the believers get taken up and the others aren't. Or, maybe this teaching emulates his two parables. That the people taken aren't the believers, but are the fakes, the weeds, the bad fish. Now, I'm not going to tell you which it is, because frankly, I'm not sure. But this passage is the closest I see to Jesus' teaching about these two parables. And again, what is a parable? A short story that has spiritual teaching. Which means there's going to be a time sometime when it won't be the good guys who are taken, but the children of the evil one. All I know is this, that Jesus says it's at the end of the age. But just something for you to think about. Something for you to think about. Because some of the things I have been taught, I didn't think that Scripture ultimately taught that. Now, they were by good men and women who had great intentions. 
and believed sincerely what they believed. But as I studied the scriptures more and more, I go, I don't see that. I see maybe a verse or two where you can interpret it your way, but the vast bulk of the scripture seemed to tell me something different. And I don't want you to fall in the same trap. Well, Pastor Joe said that this verse means that, or that verse means this. I want you to think about it. I want you to, start, I want you to look at other verses that talk about this, these two parables. Because I know this. Jesus didn't teach just to spend time teaching. Jesus didn't come, well, it's 10 o'clock on a Sunday. We're supposed to sing some songs, pray some prayers, give some money, and stand up, or in his case, sit down, and everybody else stand up and speak. It wasn't, well, his time to talk. Jesus taught because he had a mission to teach and to preach, not only to his disciples, but to make new disciples so that they might make more and more disciples. And there was a time when they go, we don't quite understand. So tell us what you mean. The best teacher is the Word of God. And the Scripture says that if you will come, that His Spirit will guide you into knowledge. His Spirit will teach you what you need to know. And I have found, in my own personal life, that when I came to a conclusion based on what the Scriptures taught, I held it more confidently than I did when, well, so-and-so taught me that. Because it's not what so-and-so taught, it's what the Scripture said. So I'm not going to give you an easy way out. I'm not telling you that this verse means the rapture, or this verse means the angels are gathering other people. I want you to study. But I will conclude with this. The only way you get wheat in this story is by God planting it. And he plants a particular seed. And that seed is Jesus. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. No one comes to the Father but except and by him and him alone. And we, who are weak, should be able to know that because we see the product of His growth in us and the fruit that is produced. And if you don't, there's always the opportunity to say, Jesus, come to me and plant the good seed. Water it, till it, make it to be fruitful in your name. As I keep saying, 
We are not to be judgmental. We are to be fruit inspectors. But the first fruit to inspect is our own. Because if there's no fruit there, then the rest just doesn't matter. If I don't see fruit in you, and there's no fruit in me, so what there's no fruit in you? View your life. What kind of soil, what kind of seed is growing in you? And rely on God to provide the way. And all God's people said,